Hey guys, um, want to welcome you to another edition of Halftime Chat. Um, right now, I am about to interview um, a producer. Um, he is best known for um, some of his production with um, R. Kelly, Genuine. His, um, his name is G1. Um, out of the Bay Area, so it's going to be great talking to him. So he's associately, he's associated with uh, DJ Quick, um, in that camp. So it's going to be interesting just talking to him, um, as a producer and just seeing the stuff he's worked on and and how life is now as a producer outside of the nineties. So look forward to the interview. <laughs> okay. Okay. So yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> definitely good to have you on board. So you go by G One. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. So where where are you based? Um, I'm based in in Los Angeles, uh, in Los Angeles, California. Um, but I was actually born in in Sacramento, California. Okay. Okay. So when I think of Sacramento, the biggest names uh, Jeff definitely would be Club Nouveau and Jay King. Yes, yes, sir. Okay, I mean, growing up, what what, what was it? Um, what, I mean, what what was the music like for you growing up in Sacramento? Um, as as far as uh, uh personally, yeah, yeah, like, personally. I mean, what what was it that you got into when you were growing up? You know, I was I was really uh across the board with music like i i loved music from all spectrum from rock and roll to disco to r&b you know the, to rap so i was pretty much widespread when it came to music you know i didn't uh have a favorite you know i just love music in general you know did, did we did we i mean i think growing up were you what into singing or playing instruments or yes or was... i played uh my first instrument was drums. I started off playing drums, and then uh, once I got into the music business, um, I started playing uh, uh, keys, you know, keyboards, and um, you know, I play a little bass. But drums is my first instrument. Okay. I mean, yeah. when you were playing, I mean, I mean, I mean, for those of us who are international, like you know, um, when we think of of America, a lot of things that seem to come come out of sports. So we normally see lots of Americans playing basketball, football, um, yeah. or, or, or well, baseball as well. When you were in high school and stuff, were you into mainly music or into the sports as well? Or um, I played sports just as a as a hobby. Like I yeah. never really played on, you know, like the high school basketball team or you know that that sort of thing. But I was really into music and. Um, so music was really my main, my main focus. And uh, a friend of mine, um, uh, Derek, uh, uh, DOA Allen. Yeah. Uh, we you know, we went to high school together, and oh. um, and he really got me into uh, into music seriously because I I wasn't really taking it serious at first, but he's the one that really got me into it seriously. You know, to whereas I whereas I wanted to uh, pursue it as a career. Okay, I mean, at at that time though, what's um, at that time, what what was it that you um, 
you know that you were thinking about doing? Um, you know, at, at first, uh, before my pursuit of music, um, before my pursuit of music, um, you know, I was, uh, you know, wanting to to do my parents' dreams, which was, you know, go to college and, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, get a job. <laughs> but, but once I once I really got a taste of of what um, you know the the music really felt like on a, a professional level, mentally it, it was it was no turning back. You know, it's it what I wanted to do. You know, so um, you know, even coming coming out of high school, yeah, like that like that was my goal. You know, was was to you know pursue music definitely. Yeah, but then. Um... Who who could you see as a as a that's within touch and distance? So because so, sometimes when you are thinking about um, okay, so if I flash back to when I interviewed um, Eric Williams from Blackstreet, he said he could see Big Bub and Today and Regina Bell. These are people that they grew up with. So when they got signed and they were making records, it's like oh, if they could do it, we 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 knew them as kids. We can do it. So for yourself, who? Who had already made it that you could think, oh, there's a career in this, and if you know, well, coming coming from where you know, coming from Sacramento, you know, um, you know, you mentioned uh, J King, yeah. of course, and then um, you know, there was also um, a, a person uh, who passed away, but his name was Robert Brookins, and and he was kind of like the, you know, the the blueprint, you know, to to us. Um, you know, of course, you know, there's always like, you know, the big names like your Michael Jacksons and, you know, back then, you know, because I was like the, you know, the Billie Jean and and and, uh, and, and Thriller era. Yeah. But, but we kind of looked to our locals that made it because if you made it out of Sacramento back then, like that was really big. And so, you know, we had like, you know, our Robert Brookings, which really, really gave us, you know, hope that, you know, we all can make it. You know, and then uh, um, after Robert Brookings, there was a uh, uh, Derek, a uh, DOA. Oh, you know, okay. so you know when DOA made it, and you know DOA uh, when, when he uh, auditioned for Janet Jackson and made it like that was a huge deal to us. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, it gave us all hope and and um, and uh, you know the confidence that you know that you know, we all can make it. Okay. Yeah, so, definitely. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, it, back, back in that days was, um, so Jay King had returned and, and started off, you know, finished with Timex and started Club Nouveau. Was, was that yes. popping in, in, in Sacramento? Yes. Yes. That was, that was a huge deal. That was a huge deal for us. You know, like I said, you know, those, those were our, those were our, um, you know, our, our leaders, you know, our, uh, you know, our heroes, mm. you know, and, um, you know, our guidance, definitely, you know, without a doubt. The, um, at the time then, um, when Foster McClary, when they split to start off um, in Vogue and, and start their stuff, did, did it even seem that as producers or as musicians that you could actually because that was about 1989, 1990. Is Sacramento sort of a small market where every you guys all knew each other, or 
Um, no, well, some of us did. Like back then, Sacramento was uh, a real tight knit community. So, you know, some of us knew uh, people outside of Sacramento. Me myself, I didn't know too many people outside of Sacramento. Um, you know, as far as um, in the music industry. Yeah. You know, that didn't that didn't change for me until I actually moved to Los Angeles in 1990, 91. Oh, so when these guys were coming up with um, um, En Vogue and Club Nouveau, you had already moved back to you moved to Los Angeles? Yes, yes, yes. And I was I was playing drums for uh, uh, various artists uh, back then. And um, so I was uh, playing drums professionally for different artists back then. So. That was my first uh, uh, initial um, uh, position in, in, in the music business. You know, back then I was playing drums at first. Okay. And then eventually, you know, it it uh, rolled over to me uh, producing. Yeah. So if we start off with that. So when when you are um, playing drums, um, what what was it like being a musician in those early days when it was okay you get hired to to do shows that is it you know that doesn't seem like the security and the stability i mean what 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 was it like for you it was you know what it was looking back it was actually it was actually i mean it was good for me you know i mean i worked a lot you know i mean you know the money looking back the money wasn't wasn't all that, but you know, back then it was just more about uh, you know gigging and being on the road and, and going on tour and being on uh, television and uh, you know going to uh, on the road to places that that I've never ever been in my life, mm. you know, that I've never seen before, and so it was just you know just one new uh, adventure. So it wasn't really about the money then. Okay. You know, it was it was just more about uh, you know, fulfilling your dreams and, and, you know, it was unbelievable, you know, <laughs> until, <laughs> until, uh, you know, reality started kicking in as far as, you know, you know, having to survive, <laughs> then of course, you know, then of course that's when, you know, the money was like, okay, you know, I gotta, I gotta turn this thing around and, you know, start making some real money, you know, but, so but it was, it, it was definitely, uh, a milestone in my life that I'm, I'm definitely grateful for. You know? So who were the early people that you played for when you first started? My very first uh, gig was um, I played for this artist named Tracy Spencer. Oh, okay, Tracy Spencer. I was, yeah. Yes, I was her drummer, and uh, we toured and and we did. Uh, back then, it was Johnny Carson, um, Arsenio Hall, uh, and I believe we did David Letterman. But, and then um, we went on tour. And then from there, it was uh, a host of other artists. Uh, you know, I played for Brandy. Oh, but, um, but if we go back to Tracy, because uh, I know yes. she was um, quite big at, at the time. Um, how did you get the, the gig? I mean, did, did she have to audition you or did somebody else get to do that? And she just, you just. Yes, <laughs> no, there was, there was a, um, a music um, person back then uh, his name was Bruce Sterling and Bruce was uh, the go-to guy for uh, for all of these R&B artists um, and so he 
he actually auditioned us. So I, I had to audition along with everybody else. Yeah. And um, I got the gig. Yeah. And then when you get the gig, do you get, do you, do you and the, like Tracy get to hang, no, not hang out, but do you, do, does she interact with you guys or is it pretty much, here's the songs you, you rehearse and, and there's a separation? No, we, uh, you know, we got the gig and then we started rehearsing and, and, and she was definitely there, you know, definitely involved. And, um, you know, we would rehearse, you know, like we would, we would do, let's say we would do um, Arsenio. Well, we would rehearse one song for like eight hours. Wow. And that's, it, but that's how it was back then, you know, to perfect it, you know, and, and we would rehearse that one song, you know, of course, you know, getting a break here and there, but I'm saying the rehearsal time was like eight hours. Like wow. it was, it was intense, you know? <laughs> My goodness. Because once you want, because once you go on television and it's live, you know if you mess up, you just mess up. <laughs> okay. It was... Yeah. So a lot, <laughs> a lot went into, you know, uh, uh, performing back then. A lot. Yeah, yeah. It was intense. What was the big song that you had with with Tracy that you performed on Arsenio? Was it? Uh, Feel the pain. Well, we, were, we were on Arsenio a couple of times, but. I know the songs that we did was uh, her her first single, which was "Save uh, Save Your Love," mm-hmm. and then I think her biggest single was uh, a song called "This House," and um, and then the third single that we performed at a different time was called "Love Me." Okay, okay. Yes. How long did you tour with with Tracy? Um, for a couple of years. Um, um her first album. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a couple of years. Um, and, and then I, you know, eventually um, went on to start playing with other artists, you know. Okay, but how does that end? So you're touring with Tracy, you're promoting the first album. How does it, do, the, the, does she just say, okay, that's it, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to record a second, uh, second album so you guys, I don't need you guys anymore. What happens? Um, it's kind of like, it, it just all depends. Like, you know, some musicians, they, they stay with the artist, you know, throughout their career. Me, I was always trying to venture off to, to bigger and better um, um, situations for myself. So mm. uh, once she went on to record her second or third album, I was already getting calls from other artists to, to play for them. You know, so, you know, I, I, I eventually moved on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Who, who did you move to? Um... I think after Tracy, uh, I think I went to um, to uh, a group back then called Portrait. Oh, here we go again. Okay. Yes, yes. I played for Portrait. I thought they were the and, musicians themselves. Um, one of them. Well, yeah, they all play, but the main uh, producer in the group was uh, Mike Michael. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so so I played for Portrait, and um, I was in their band, and uh, we went on tour. And I also played for uh, uh for Shante Moore. Okay, okay. Yes. So Portrait are they from the California? Yes. Oh. Well, a couple oh. of them are from uh, different areas back east, but yeah, they eventually all moved to to um, California. 
Okay. I mean, how was it with, because I know they had that here we go again, but how was it playing with them? Because they felt like a, a, a sort of a, a live um, band. I mean, how was it like playing with them? It was fun because actually I was on tour. They were on tour. It was Portrait and, and Shantae Moore together on tour. And okay. I played for both of them at that time. Was Shantae still with um, Jay King's label and stuff? No, she was with... Uh, Oh, Silas. Silas. Okay, but she, yeah. okay. So Jay King was no longer managing her at that time. As far as I know. Okay, so I could. I thought the connection might have been the fact that he was uh, from the, um, Sacramento. Okay, so that time she was with Silas, and so when you guys went on tour, it was um, um, it was just who was who was the main headliner, Shantae or, or Portrait? Uh, Shantae was was headlining. Yeah. Wow. Okay, yeah. and, and um, and Portia was was opening for her. Yeah, did you then play with both of them, or did you just? Yes. Oh, how does that I, work? Yeah. You? Like I played, I, I played twice a night. You know, at the you know wherever whatever venue that we were at, I played twice. Yeah. So is it one of those things where you, you you're the tour musician, so they don't um. So Chante doesn't have her own band and Porter doesn't have their own band. They just say, okay, we're going on tour. Here are the musicians and, and the artists just sort of use you guys throughout. Or, or how was the setup back then? It was, um, it was set up where, you know, again, they were on tour together. So, um, you know, I was just the, uh, the selected uh, drummer to play for both. Okay. Yes. But it wasn't the case with the rest of the say the keyboard the keyboard player and the guitar they 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 may just just to work with one group. No, a couple of us did. It was it was a mixture. A couple of us uh, played with both, but not everybody. Okay. But you know, I I was I was selected, you know, to be one of those. Yeah. Okay. And then you know after the tour, what 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 did you end up doing? Um, actually, I came home, and. Uh, and I was called to uh, to come to the, the studio to um, to play for um, uh, DJ Quick. Okay, so when you say come home, so where's home there at that time? You said Los home Angeles. Was, home was, yes, home was Los Angeles. Okay, and, um, and a friend of mine named Robert Bacon, he was he was uh, he played with me on uh, on Tracy Spencer's. Uh, tour and mm. um and and you know the television stuff so he called me to the studio to play on a record for dj quick and we actually did arsenio so i did arsenio again with dj quick and then from there um we went into the studio and i played on 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 various albums i mean various albums, various songs on his third album that he was uh doing at the time Okay. Yes. So that's when I that's when I went from uh, a musician and I started producing. So how did it work though? Because I I would have thought that um, they would have used um, NPCs and and programming and not really need a live a, a live drummer. So how did did Quick say why he wanted to get some live a, a, a drummer to come in? Well, because he you know Quick. Quick himself, you know, he's always been a fan of live music. You know, okay. even though you know he's a rapper and and uh, and a musician, but he loves live music. Mm. And and he was actually the first 
rapper back then to to have a band you oh. know, on television and you know to to even have a band on tour you know he was the first so you know he took the chance and it actually worked yeah oh was that third album the one with elder barge or no 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 the third album was uh it, it was called safe and sound um yeah, the Elder Barge one, I, I believe that was maybe the fifth or sixth album. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So, so what, what, I mean, why did you agree to stop touring to, to, to go in with Quickwood? How, what made you feel convinced that this may be worth, uh, worthwhile? Well, because once I got a taste of, of the studio, um, that was my first time ever really being in a studio like that. And once I got a taste of it, it was like another level. It was another world, you know? And I was like, man, like, I like this. Like, this is different, you know? And so, you know, uh, Quick actually introduced me to, you know, to production, to, you know, to producing. And once I got a taste of it, like, it, it changed my world. Okay. What did he do? Yeah. How did he get you convinced to, to try it? Well, um, because we, because, you know, I started playing, like I played on a couple of records mm-hmm. and um, on this, on his third album. <clears throat> and then I remember um, we were recording, we were doing a song and um, he needed vocals, somebody to sing. And a lot of people back then didn't know that, that I also can, you know, that I can sing. Oh. Not, not like a, I'm not like a lead singer, but you know, I can sing background parts and harmonies and you know that that sort of deal. So so I took a I took a stab at it and it worked. So from then, it went from singing to uh, you know, me coming up with an up with an idea on this other record that he was working on as far as uh the musical parts. And from there, that what record was that? Um it was, uh, I mean, you know, I, well, the title was kind of. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so what did you do to, to the track to, that he, that, what did you, what, what was the concert you brought out? I came up, I came up with the bass line. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was, actually, it was two records, but one of them, it was a record that was called Dollars and Cents. Okay. And um, the way that, that uh, uh, Quick used to come up with ideas back then is he would uh, uh, program the drums. And, you know, even if if we were at the studio or even at his house, because he had a studio at his house too. Mm-hmm. So he would program the drums and just let the drums play all day. And, <laughs> you know, so he'll be cooking or, you know, going up and down and <laughs> would, would come up with an idea. So. So I started messing around with the keyboard and I came up with the, the bass line for uh, the, uh, a part, for the first part of Dollars and Cents. And he came running down the stairs. <laughs> and he said, that's it, that's it, that's it. And from, and from then, it's like we just started gelling and we became like, you know, like partners, hmm. you know? So he, you know, he asked me to be a part of the project, and and then that's where you know I became very, very, uh, uh, very, very uh, uh, influential in in that album, in the Safe and Sound album. 
Okay. Now, yeah, so at, at, did you miss when you were doing that? Did you not think, man, I need to be back on the road and I'm missing out on on some real money touring because it must have been at least some guaranteed income when you're on the road touring. No, because actually the the produ- the production money was way bigger than than the road money. Oh, yeah, you know because the, you know, yeah, you know, being a producer, the the production money came from the label, <laughs> so it, it came it came out of the budget. You know, being on the road back then, we were probably getting maybe. I mean, if if I'm correct, maybe like five hundred dollars a night a show, you know, something okay. like that. Okay, you know. If that, but you know the the producer money was way bigger. That that changed my life. Wow! But then at that time, then because who to, who to, who goes through the details of okay, you you you're doing some you're working on an album, and so the figures, the money, the ownership, royalty. Who how did how does that all get sorted out? Um, we actually we actually did everything as we were going along. <laughs> because you know there were there were there were other people involved. So like if I if I did you know like half of the music or you know produce vocals and all that you know some records I got fifty percent, some records I got thirty percent. It just all depends on what my input was. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But then you know because most of the artists that are that are um, even sometimes the producers that are, that I interview, it's you, they come into the industry green so they they know the music side but the business side that becomes almost like an an afterthought because you're just caught in the moment the actual business side of of, of things did you know much about it before you got in and did you have an opportunity to learn before you signed up no i was green to the business side of it but quick you know quick made sure that everything was fair and everything was across the board. So, you know, I, I had to learn fast, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, lucky for me, he played fair. So he, he wasn't trying to cheat nobody okay. and um, everything, everything was in black and white, you know? So I, I had to learn overnight, but, but, you know, I, I was lucky, you know, there was, there was a lot of cats back then that, that was getting uh, raped, if you will, you know? And, but, I was lucky in, in, in that regard. Yeah, I mean, Definitely. Snoop talks about not even all the songs he wrote, you know, signed to Death Row. He didn't get any. He, he, it wasn't in his name, so he didn't own the publishing. So that's why I just wondered if people like that were getting, you know, on on the on, on the west side, whether you you were fortunate to get to know publishing and splits and 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 royalties and all that stuff. Yes, I learned. Yes, I learned all that. From my experience with Quick, just in that, just in that uh, that time period of uh, of doing that album, like it was like a crash course. But <laughs> I learned, but I learned, I learned fast. And you know, from there, you know, I just started producing. I, you know, I I kind of hung up uh, playing drums, and you know, I didn't I didn't go back on the road. Uh, actually, I did go back on the road. I take that back. Um, I went on the road for. Cause I was, uh, I went on the road with Brandy, oh. the artist Brandy, and um, I was the the MD. The oh, okay. Director. Yes. So, but I went on the road just to kind of 
uh, whip the band in shape and, you know, to get everything started. And, and mm. then I, and then I, I, I hired another drummer and I came back home because actually uh, at that time I was producing with quick and then we had ventured off and started doing stuff with death row. Oh, So I was out on the road with Brandy and um, I'll never forget. I was in the hotel and I, and the hotel phone rang. <clears throat> and uh, so when I answered the phone, it was Suge. It was, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, Suge was like, uh, you know, how, how, what are you, um, what are you doing out there on the road? I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, out, I'm out here with Brandy. And I'm like, how'd you find, like, how'd you find out, how'd you find me? He said, don't worry about that. So I'm like, how does this dude know where I'm at? Like, what's <laughs> right. So he said, look, man, you know, we, we have work to do. I need you to come home, come back home. And I'm like, all right. So I, so I substituted uh, another drummer and came back home and, and uh, you know, we, we were working on the death row stuff, you know, and that's a, that's a whole nother venture. That's a whole nother, man, Jesus Christ. That's a whole nother conversation, man. No, no, okay. I mean, I think, I think, I think, I guess, firstly, though, um, before, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to that, but the yes. Brandy, how did you get selected to work with Brandy? Uh, there's a, a friend of mine, a producer, his name is Kenneth, uh, Kenneth Crouch, and him and his brother, Keith Crouch, they actually did Brandy's album. Oh, was this the first one? Yes, I believe, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that was um I want to be down. I want to be down. Okay. Yes. Yes. So um so they asked me to uh you know put the band together and you know to to you know go out on the road with her and all that. So I did it. Um. But, but then was, at that, at that time, did you realize how big she was? I mean, was the album blowing up, and you thought, okay, actually, it's not a bad album. It'd be good to support it. Yes. Yes. No. I mean, she like Brandy really, really. Like came out and you know Brandy was huge, you know that that first album was huge, yeah, yeah. Then okay, so um, you you I mean how how was she at the early days just being this little kid performing? I mean because you've you've already had Portrait, Tracy Spencer, Shante Moore, and you had this little kid Brandy performing. Did you was she how how different was she on the road and uh, and on tour? Um, she was. She was just a teenage kid, man. I, I believe Brandy was like 16, okay. you know, but, but she was just a, you know, a teenage kid, you know, happy, bubbly, <laughs> you know, uh, excited. You know, it was all, because it was all new for her Yeah. at that time. So, you know, it was, you know, no problems ever, just a sweet kid, you know, and uh, easy to work with, Yeah. you know, yeah. You know, and, and her mom, her mom was her manager. So her mom was out there on the road with her. Okay. Yeah. So it was easy. It, it, it was definitely easy and, and it was fun, you know, for her. And, uh, you know, for me, um, I was kind of over it as far as being on the road and traveling because, you know, you spend a lot of time on these tour buses and, mm. you know, going from state to state. And, you know, at that point I was kind of over it, you know. So if you hadn't done some of the work with Quick earlier on, would you have had a very different attitude towards being on tour with her? Yes. Yes. yes, because 
you know, once I got a taste of, of producing, I was addicted. Like I wanted it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it was kind of like, it, it almost felt like I was going backwards. Okay. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, you know, I don't, I don't need to be out here on the road. I need to be in the studio. You know? Okay. So if we go back to when you got the phone call from Suge, at that time, um, how did he know you? Because were you doing did you do any work with with him or his death row before you went on the road with Brandy? Yes. Um uh Quick and I Quick actually uh, uh took me over there with him because um Suge had this artist named Danny Boy. Oh yeah, yeah, Danny Boy, yeah. Yes, and so um, you know, Quick and I were known for doing R&B as well. Mm. So um, Danny Boy, they brought Danny Boy to us and we started working on music for Danny Boy. And once we did that, then that's when we were um, assigned to do other artists over there, like uh, this artist named Jewel. Oh, yeah, Jewel. Sad, yeah, she just passed away. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not too long ago. Yes. So we started doing that, and then that that just rolled over into like you know we were on like the Murder Was a Case soundtrack. We were on, you know, um, um, various uh, albums over there, and, and um, you know again, you know we we did a lot of songs over there. Some of the songs made certain albums, and others you know just uh, they still have. But uh, we did a lot of work over there, and then you know Quick uh, did uh, um, a couple of records on Tupac, and and uh, you know we were just just um just all trade you know trading off doing music and um you know again you know getting back to you know my experience as far as bad business like what snoop was talking about that was the only thing is that we were getting paid but we weren't getting our our publishing the back end but you, so, you guys knew going in what did you yeah you'd known about the business well enough to know about stuff like that by that time you were on death row um, no, we kind of got introduced to it in a weird kind of way. At least I did. So, because the way it works is that, you know, you get called to do a record and, uh, you know, you get your upfront money, mm. you, you know, your upfront, uh, you know, production money, you know, whatever it is. And, and back then I used to call Shug the $10,000 man because for every record that I did, he gave me $10,000. <laughs> right. Okay. But normally once the album is is done or you know close to being done that's when you you know you get your contract as far as you know your percentages to publishing and what's it's going to be yeah. well none, none of that was coming but you know i think the trick was you know he was keeping us busy to where we weren't really worried about that <laughs> you know so you know we were in the studio all the time and you know whenever i would call for my check you know, the check was always there, you know, for, you know, for $10,000. But after a while, I'm like, wait a minute. You know, murder was a case. Like, that's, it's platinum. It sold over a million copies. Like, what's, you know, what's up with the back end? And, and, and then that's when, you know, I just kind of put two and two together. It's like, okay, this is one of those type deals. You know, he's he's keeping all the publishing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how he was. Yeah, that's why, you know, he made all that money. You know, because he was keeping all the publishing. I mean, you know, most of us who, um, you know, that he had this big aura, a mess of, of fear. 
were you guys, I mean, for you personally, I mean, did, knowing him working in, in the environment, was was it, were you intimidated and, and fearful of, of dealing with him? No, um, because I never put myself um, in harm's way of that side of his business. You know, I didn't get too, too involved with the, you know, with the uh, extracurricular activities, if you will. I came to work and I took my ass home. <laughs> yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't get too involved. You know, it, it, to me, where I come from in Sacramento, you know, our, our mentality is kind of like, it's a chess game. It's not checkers. Mm. And, you know, yet, you know, we had to, you know, we were taught to be very observant of your surroundings. You know, don't get too involved with the, you know, with the extra stuff because it, it can cost you. And, and I was just raised that way. So to me, it was like playing chess. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I didn't get too involved. So, you know, <clears throat> those who did always got caught up. They got caught up in, you know, in, in the, uh, you know, whatever it was, the mess, the fighting, the, you know, the, the getting slapped and all, it, was, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what studio were you using when you were doing the work for, for the artists? We, we worked out of, we worked out of two studios. We worked out of the studio um, that me and Quick worked out of a lot. It was called Skip Sailors, but the Death Row studio was called Can-Am. Okay. So, so yeah, so we would go back and forth. You know, we would be at Can-Am sometimes, and then uh, if, if Can-Am was booked, um, then we would go to Skip's, yeah, to Skip Sailors. And at that time, who were the other producers for Death Row? Because um, by this time, was Drake, had he left? Dre was there. Oh, he was um, still there by the time you were there? Yes, Dre, Dre was still there um, because Dre did, uh, Dre did, um, uh, California Love for Tupac when Tupac got out of jail. Okay, so, so you was, yeah. you you were there by that time. Yes, yes, I, I was there. I'm um, actually before that. Yes, so it was Dre. Dre was the main producer, and then there was Daz. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was Daz Dillinger, um, Quick, uh, myself. Uh, it was a few of them. Um, Lt Hutton. It was a few. It was a few of us over there. You know. Okay. And so, I mean, who was, I mean, how was it like, did you do anything? You said you did a few joints with, with Tupac? Um, actually, no, Quick Quick worked on the Tupac album. I was doing um, uh, Jewel at the time. Okay. Yes. So we were, you know, we were bouncing around. Like I said, it was, it, it was kind of like, you know, we were working on multiple uh, uh, projects over there because everybody was working at the same time. You know, mm -hmm. even the artists, you know, yeah, everybody was, you know, Death Row was like a full, like a full machine where, you know, there was really no downtime, you know, like the artist was working 24 seven. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, I guess, it, you know, they were putting out a lot of music, but um, for yourself, was it, how, how was it like for yourself being in that environment where they were just, you know, the biggest, I think they were the biggest label at that time putting out or, or, you know everything was going platinum double platinum what was it like just working behind the scenes did you always think okay we get our ten thousand, no back end but <laughs> what was it like but it was still it you know what 
it was still one of the most, outside of the negativity sometimes, it was one of the most uh, fun times that, that I've, I've ever had. Because, you know, again, you know, we were, you know, to be a part of a label that big at the time, mm. you felt like you were on top of the world. Wow. You know, I mean, just from just being associated and, you know, and the, um, the perks that came with it, you know, I mean, it was, it, it wasn't all bad. <laughs> what are the perks? Well, what are the perks? Well, you know, just, just, uh, you know, everybody knew that we were a part of it. So, you know, everywhere we went, you know, we got, you know, whatever we wanted. We got a lot of stuff for free. You got to, you know, it was, yeah, like it was, it was, it was, it was, it wasn't all bad. You know, like people paint, you know, like, 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 you know, like people painted out to me. Yeah. You know? I'm sorry. Yeah. Hold but on a second. At the, at the time when, um, when, um, when Dre left, were you, were uh, you around? Yes. What, yes, I was. What was it like then for you guys when you know Dre, who's the big, you know, is is leaving in the midst of that? Well, did, did did how did it feel at the time for you? It felt like the the beginning of the end. Like when Dre left, it was kind of like the you know our our captain left. You know, like Dre wasn't our boss, but Dre was kind of like the blueprint, mm. you know what I'm saying, to, to death row. So it felt like the beginning of the end, like the magic was gone. Wow. It, you know, for me, not that we couldn't pull it off ourselves, but we walked into a, a machine that had magic already. Mm. And we just contributed, you know, to that magic. And once Dre left, it really kind of opened up the doors. I, I mean, it, it kind of opened up my eyes to seeing that okay uh this is not good this is not gonna you know end well you know <laughs> you could see then yes yeah because like i said dre was he was the you know he was the co-captain dre dre was like the magic over there at that time and you know he was you know he wasn't really involved as far as you know telling us what to do and what type of music to produce but we kind of followed his blueprint. Mm -hmm. So once he left, him leaving kind of exposed the bad. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so it so it it just made it kind of like okay, you know, I mean, I don't I don't, you know, I don't want his responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Because it was, you know, we we knew the the other side of it and Dre was responsible basically for the music in its entirety. And you know, I didn't want that responsibility, you know, because of, of everything that came with it. You know? Yeah, but I would have thought that as he left, it was a case where um they'd be more, you know, he he would rely on Sugar would rely on you guys more to to make the music. So with Dre out the pitch, it's like, okay, then we've got more money, more more, more music and stuff. Yeah, well, that was that was actually the case like you know Suge Suge wasn't stopping you know so yeah of course you know um other producers you know were came in and everybody was trying to do what Dre did but it didn't work yeah you know Dre Dre was the he was the centerpiece he was the magic he, you know Suge 
yeah, you know, Suge um, had the, you know, the money and the power, but, you know, without music, the label is nothing. Mm. You know, without that magic, without that music, the label is nothing. And yeah. so, you know, that's when I started to back away, you know, after Dre left. Uh, because soon after that, you know, Suge got in trouble. Suge went to prison. And then once Suge went to prison, it was like it was other people over there trying to fill those shoes. And Suge was trying to run a label from prison. <laughs> Goodness. And so it was, you know, you know, for me, it was just chaotic. You know, it didn't make sense. It wasn't the same energy. And, and I'm the type of person, you know, once, you know, that type of energy is brought into the room, that's not, that's not what I'm about. So I, I just slowly but surely backed away. Wow. But then, as I said, and, and as from an outside, I'm thinking, you know, you've got Death Row that's making hundreds of millions. Um, you've got the big, you've got the number one artist uh, around. This is what, you know, your producer. So your producer just, well, I'll just make the music. Um, you know, I could be in a different studio, but I'll just keep making the music. But from your point of view, because of how you're upbringing, you just thought that it's it, it might be too dangerous just to, get too involved or what was no it, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily too dangerous it was just chaotic where it's kind of like you know being a, a a child and when your parents go out of town for the weekend you know you throw a party you just start wilding out you know <laughs> so that's that's what it felt like like once Suge went away now everybody is is wild and and, um, and uh, you know, everybody wants to, you know, fill those shoes. Everybody wants to be the CEO. Everybody wants, it was just chaotic. You know, it was too chaotic for me. Okay. So I didn't feel like that. I didn't see, you know, uh, success at the end of the rainbow. So my whole thing was, you know, I just went on and I started producing other people at that time. So I was already producing other people anyway, you know, like, you know, I, I went on to produce uh, uh, R. Kelly. Um, I went on to produce um, uh, Will Smith. Okay. Uh, I went on to produce uh, uh, Snoop because Snoop had left Death Row. Okay. And so I mean, let's let, let's go to that then. So we, you were there when Snoop was with Death Row then, and yes. and, and when he left, what was, I mean, did he leave after Dre or before Dre? He left after. Okay. So yes. you were still there, but when he left. Did you, what, what was, did you, how did you feel about him leaving? Cause he. I felt that he made the right decision because again, the business wasn't right. You know, he was, you know, you got the biggest star in the world at the time and, and he's broke, <laughs> you know, because, and you know, he's, he said it numerous of times, you know, in interviews, it's like, yeah, he was broke because, you know, again, Suge was keeping all the money, wow. you know? So yeah, you know, you got, you know, you got the biggest artist in the world and you know, he has, you know, a house and cars and everything, but everything is in death row's name. But the house, none, the cars. And could none of you do anything? Cause you said he, you, you didn't get your, your back end. Couldn't you guys say, come on, Shug, what's going on? Where's my stuff or. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, we would, you know, me, I questioned him about it once and you know, he just, you know, he just kind of, uh, he sugarcoated it, kind of like, oh yeah, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll get that taken care of. But nothing never happened. You know, you know, we'll get that taken care of. But hey, uh, yeah, um, you know, need you to um, to do do another record on Danny Boy. 
you know? So and it's, it's your 10,000. Yeah. yeah. Go get your $10,000. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but yeah, so I, but I was, I was actually, um, I was happy when Snoop left, you know what I'm saying? Because I knew that the artist that he was, he, he definitely deserved, you know, to be compensated, you know, for the work, the work and, you know, for what he had achieved in, um, in hip hop at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, he, he went on to, you know, sign the Master P and, um, and he called, he called me and quit. And uh, we, we ended up working on, um, on that album. Okay. Over here, over there, yeah. So the um before we move on to that, did um did you um what was it like seeing Park? Because after Dre left, did Park become a lot more a, f- a focal uh sort of central figure? Yes, Park was the you know considered like the uh, the leader. You know, because Pac was working on his album, Dre did, Dre did California Love, and Dre left right after California Love. Okay. And uh, but you know, Pac's album was then produced by you know everybody else, Daz, uh, Quick, and um, you know whoever else, uh, uh, Johnny J, um, you know, and a few other producers. Um, and then you know, of course, you know, soon after the album came out, you know, Pac got killed. But Pac was kind of like the leader at the time because Pac. Pac had, there was two, two studio rooms in, um, at Can-Am. And mm-hmm. Pac had both rooms going at the same time. Wow. So he had, you know, um, producers working on a record in one room and producers working on a record in another room. And Pac was literally going back and forth. And Pac would, would you know, I've never seen Pac write anything down. Wow. Pac would listen to the music and I literally would see Pac um, rapping like to herself, and then he would go into the booth and just knock it out. Wow. I had never seen that. It was incredible. So, yeah, so, but Pac, you know, the mission was to get Pac's album done at the time, you know, as soon as possible. And uh, yeah, and then, you know, unfortunately, you know, he got killed, you know, not too long after that, but. But yeah, what, well, what, was... what I mean, I think some of, we saw him through the eyes of the media and 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 his persona and the media. But when you do see him in person, when there's no cameras, how would you describe the type of artist and person he was? The same as you see on TV. Like he wasn't. <laughs> okay. he, he was. He he wasn't fake. You know. I mean, he he can either be, you know, your best friend, or. You know, if he didn't like something, he can be your worst enemy. <laughs> you know, it's exactly what you see on TV. You know, you see the nice cool pot, you know, doing the interview. And, and then you see the pot is that, you know, that's uh, that's either socking or, or spitting on a photographer. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he was serious about his work, about the music and working hard. Yeah, I think, you know, Pac, Pac was on a mission. You know, he he um, I think Pac had plans. You know, you know, further down the road, um, I forget how many albums that he has signed to Death Row, but he was definitely on a mission to get those albums done for some reason. Oh, yeah. So, and you know, again, when he came over to Death Row, the whole work ethic and energy changed. Like he came in there and was like knocking songs out daily. You know, Pac would Pac would spend a night at the studio for a couple of days. 
Yeah, like he was he was that guy. But did did did, did the other artists then take note and think, oh, we need to up our game? Did or did were they still slouching or did they? No, no, everybody he he changed the the momentum. Yes, you know everybody had to pick it up. Everybody had to you know change you know their whole attitude and and energy when it came to you know to how we were working because you know we were also back then you know we were not only working but you know we were doing a lot of partying too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, yeah, yes, you know we worked but you know we also party but Pac kind of changed you know that he kind of changed that flow, and um, you know it kind of it kind of changed how the the work ethic was looked at over there at, at that time. Wow. And so I, I, I get, were you still producing with Defro when he got, when Chuck came back and he, and he got killed? Um, no, once, uh, because Chuck went to prison after Pot died. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So you were still then, when he was, and when he got shot, you were still working at death row. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. I mean, and that how... was, and 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 once he got killed, that was really the end for me. Like I was done at that point. You know. I mean, what was it like? Uh, as I said, from from the inside, that, that, because I know you you mentioned that you you knew your boundaries and you knew you know your limits as to what to do, but. What was the atmosphere like at Death Row once? I mean, someone as energetic and you know as as, as Park gets killed. That how did it, it affect the, the company and, and for yourself being there? Um, from what I remember, you know, for myself, mm -hmm. I know that that when I went to the studio after that, it felt empty. You know, it felt like it was really the end. Like you know, because a lot of tragedies were happen were happening back then. Not not only Pac, but a lot of people that were um, either working at death row. You know, some of the security guys, and you know, you know, people started uh, ended up dead, and it was just it was a lot. It, it was a lot of death at that time wow. surrounding death row. So you know, that, that was really my my cue to you know to exit. It's like you know what, like this is not what music is. You know, for me. You know, this is not, this is not, you know, the representation of what music is for me. And, you know, it's time for me to bow out, you know. Did you feel like you might have a target because you were associated to a label that was um, seen as um, very hostile to, to the East Coast? Always. Definitely. You know, we, we, we all were targets. Anybody that was affiliated, you know, we all were targets, you know. And, I, you know, again, it goes back to what I said earlier. That's why, you know, for me, it was a chess game. You know, you had to always be on your P's and Q's. You had to always, you know, we had security back then. Like, wow. it was it was a big deal, you know, and because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you never know what you were walking into, you know, especially going out of town or, you know, going to these award shows and, you know, where, where all, you know, where Bad Boy was showing up and, you know, these other labels or whatever. And it was real. You know, the tension was real. Did you go to the Source Awards that, that day with a big drama? Uh, no. Okay. Okay. No. We, we, uh, we, uh, 
You talking about in, in New York? Yeah, the one in New York where no. the okay. Yeah, no, I didn't go. Okay. Um, I, I I changed my mind at the last minute. I didn't wow. go. The, the the one thing that because I lived in LA briefly, well not briefly, I well yeah lived, but I lived in Redondo Beach and then, um and then Culver City at thereafter, um mm -hmm. so but I was away from from South Central and stuff. Did you have to worry because you came from the Bay Area about the tension between the Bloods and the Crips, and 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 because I know Shug was associated with one and and Park and Park Snoop was associated with the other. Did so did you? Did, how did you remain neutral where look, you're not involved in any of this stuff and no one should um, drag you into any of these these kind of wars? Well, you know, again, it 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 was keeping your eyes open, understanding the energy in the room, understanding the energy the energy in the building, understanding the energy around you, and um, you know, me, I was uh, associated with the Bloods, oh. so. Um, again, it was it was tension, you know. I mean, you know, you can definitely, uh, you know, come out and be in the hallway or you know run into a crip or something, and and it it could definitely be a fight. Like it was it was a lot of that over there, but wow. but at the same time, I think the common everybody understood everybody understood what the common goal was, and that was to make music and to be successful. So it was kind of easy to get along. But every once in a while, you know, if somebody brought a friend up to the studio or, you know, one of the homeboys from the hood and, you know, it, it, it can definitely go down. It can definitely be something. Wow. You know, yeah. So it was, man, like I said, it was different. It was, it was very, very, <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've never, I've never experienced anything like that in my life, man. So what we're seeing on the news and 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 hearing as fans outside, it was even worse than what we're seeing. We didn't know, know the half of how cho how challenging it was for you guys. No, it was. It, it was, you know, the world seen the good and heard about the bad. Like we seen the bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you would hear about the bad, but we were, you know, that part of it was like being at war. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it, it was. Yeah, it was definitely an experience. I've never experienced anything anything like that in my life. I'm glad that I did. You know, I'm glad that you know I made it through, and and um, you know, I'm a part of history. But mm. I've never, never, ever experienced anything like that at a at a record label. Oh, you know? Yeah. And the sad thing is that people like um, Doug Morris and Jimmy Iovine knew what was happening, but they knew that all that publicity was just helping them make more money. So they probably just turned a blind eye. Yes. Yeah, because at the time, you know, at the time, it was like, you know, all the money that they were making, you know, it's like, why, why, why rock the boat? That's not their business. Mm -hmm. And it was, and it actually was good publicity. Yeah. It was bad. It was bad publicity, but it was good publicity because it brought all the attention to the label. Yeah, everybody feared Death Row, um, even if you just were doing a, a gospel album. Everyone was afraid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. Death Row, Death Row talking about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in person back in back in 96, 95, was Shug like a, a, a scary giant? Because we see him with a big cigar, but was he 
physically intimidating because people, everyone just afraid of his name. Just yeah, I mean, you know, if you if you knew him, you knew both sides of him because that that was there's a real nice side to Shug too that a lot of people don't know. Okay, but but you know the the persona was you know to you know to to carry this image of of of, of people fearing him, which which um, it actually worked. And, and I'm not saying that, that he was soft because no, he would, he, he had that side where, you know, he, he'll slap you or, you know, or he'll hit you or, or, you know, have you beat up and, you know, but um, the, the, the persona that people seen, it wasn't fake, it was real. And, you know, being in his presence, yes, he can be very intimidating, you know, cause he was, Suge was what, 330, 340? You know, he was a big guy. Mm. And then he had, on top of that, he had guys around him that was damn near his size. Wow. You know, security. You know, you know, the, the homies that was, you know, 260, 270. Wow. You know, yeah. So it was not just him, it was it was a whole look, it was an entourage. You know? So when when he walked into the room, it's him plus six, seven, eight guys. Wow, his size. <laughs> so yeah. you're, you're not there asking for your your, your back end. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit a little yeah. hard to to keep nagging him for your back end and, and publishing yeah. and stuff. Exactly, man, man, forget that back end. You can keep it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but then, were, were were you producing solo, or were you and Quick doing co-production, or how did that relationship change then? Um. Eventually, after Death Row, Quick and I, I started doing um, uh, solo stuff around, like we did um, uh, Tony, 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 Let's Get Down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So after that, I got called to do R. Kelly. I did a record on R. Kelly, um, one of his biggest dance records. It's called Home Alone. It's yeah, with Keith Murray. Murray. Was yeah. Kelly Price on that? Yes, and Kelly Price. Yeah. Okay. So I so I produced that record, and that was actually my first. That was my first solo production record. Now, how is that possible? Because we all would assume that R. Kelly does everything. You know, he he was one of the greatest writers and producers. So, how does it? How do you get called to say come and do a track for R. Kelly on one of his best albums? Well. Um, you know, R. Kelly, he liked um, our style. Mm. And at the time, he was managed by a guy named Barry Hankerson. Yeah, Ali's uncle. <laughs> yes. And Barry, um, Barry, me and Barry had the same attorney. Okay. Oh, you got your own lawyer. And stuff. <laughs> yeah. So so my, my attorney at the time, um, his name was Jock Shirley. And Jock... Um, my name was mentioned um, as far as um, for doing a record. So when my name was mentioned, they took it to R. Kelly and R. Kelly was like, yeah, you know, because R. Kelly wasn't known for doing club records at the time. Mm. He did more ballads. Yeah, yeah. Year. So I was the first one to give him a club record. Mm. You know, so, you know, R. Kelly wasn't capable of producing that style. Yeah, yeah, then. okay. He was a, you know, he was a balladeer. 
So I gave him his first club record. And and uh, so I did the music and then um, Kelly Price wrote, um, Kelly Price and R. Kelly wrote the lyrics. Okay. Yes. Yep. And then, um, what what and came first then? The, the music or the lyrics or what? The music. Okay. I sent, the, I sent them, I did like three different tracks and uh, he chose one of them, you know, and, um, and then they wrote to it. And then uh, Keith Murray happened to be in, in the studio with them at the time. Okay. So Keith heard the track and then Keith uh, jumped on it, got on it too. Were you there recording with them or, or how does that no. work? No, you know, um, R. Kelly always recorded his own vocals. Oh. Yeah, so they recorded it in Chicago and then they sent it back to, sent it back to me in LA. But did you get to meet him then? Yes. Yes, I met him. I met him uh, a few times. You know, when, when he came to LA, um, uh, you know, we talked over the phone a lot back then. Um, but I met him a few times. So um, so that's because you you are credited as the producer of the track and producing arranger, but it is strange that you it's not as if he was out in 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 Taiwan that you couldn't be in the same studio recording. So you know, I know it was East Coast and I don't know, well, the Midwest and West Coast. How come there wasn't a sense of hey, let me come down to to Chicago, you come over to LA, so we can. We can re- we'll work on it together. Well, because the artist of his uh, of, of his status, you know, they don't he they they don't need me to produce their vocal. Okay. You know, if he was a new artist, maybe. You know, like you know, I would back then. It was it's like today. It's like you know, I I'll send a record out. You know, and you have your own studio, you record it, and you send it back, and then you know I fix it and mix it. Like it's that easy. Okay. So, okay. so you know, back then, everything was on um, on reel to reel, on 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 two inch tape. So they had to. I sent the track to them. They recorded it, and then they had to send me the tapes, the reel to reels. Okay. And, yeah, and, and then I, you know, I fixed it and did my edits and mixed it, and then I, you know, I sent it to him, and you know, he liked it, he approved it, changed this, changed that, fixed this, and. Yeah, it was like that. Now, did you produce it? Did you produce Home Alone um, by yourself, or did Quick get involved? No, Quick wasn't involved with that record. Quick, uh, Quick was actually working on. Quick, Quick actually started um, his fourth or fifth album, I think, at the time. So, so he he was getting started on that. But I did, um, I did Home Alone um, uh, by myself, entirely by myself. Yeah, so you're credited as the the sole producer on it, but uh, you know. Um, as we're going, SMS one thirty said that Quick was cr- said he ghost produced it as on uncredited producer on it, but I I don't know. Yeah, yeah, there was yeah there was there was a uh, you know there, there was a time where you know Quick felt like um, the drums that are are on that record, Quick actually gave me those drums. Ah, okay. And um, Quick. Quick did play, he played, Quick played some percussion on on, on Home Alone, on, on the record, but he didn't produce the record. Okay. Yeah, so he came in um, after the record was done and he played like, you know, percussion on it and, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of, but you no, know, I, I produced it. I, you know, I wrote it. I came up with the idea. Yeah. I did the music. And there was yeah. no falling out of it with you guys on over. No, no. I mean, you know, Quick and I, you know, we, 
you know, we're, we're like brothers. Yeah. So, you know, of course, you know, we're going to have disagreements at times and, you know, I may do something or he may do something where, you know, we don't agree with and, and, uh, you know, we may not talk for a couple of days, but that's my brother. <laughs> okay. You know, that's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's my brother for life. So, you know, we, 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 we actually, you know, we act like brothers, you know, yeah. you know, we, we love each other. You know, sometimes we don't like each other, but, you know, you know, he can say, you know, fuck G1, but, you know, nobody else can say it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, it's good. As I said, I didn't, realize, as, as we were going live, um, it's good that, you know, somebody brought it up and, you know, and, and to just to say, and, and, and just to clear it up, but the, um, the song, I mean, oh goodness, it, as I said, it is, it is a bouncing track and it, 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 it was different for R. Kelly because it had that sort of West coast sort of, um, funk, um, and, and bounce to it. Um, when the, when that went out. Did you, when you had Keith Murray on it, did you feel this? Wow, this is a very different vibe as well because it was East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, all wrapped into one album. Yeah, I was song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was surprised because they didn't tell me that Keith Murray had got on it. Okay, so I didn't know. I didn't know until they sent it back to me, <laughs> and I was very, I was very surprised because of where we stood at that time with the East Coast or West Coast whole thing. Oh, goodness, but you know, it's like. You know, Keith Murray, um, he ended up calling me after that. And I actually did it. I did a record on him, you know, because um, Murray, Murray really loved that West Coast funk. Like, he mm. loved it. And so, you know, Murray wasn't really with the, you know, the whole you know East Coast, West Coast. Murray just loved music. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The, the um, but at, at that time then, because... Was it that bad with that whole East Coast, West Coast there? You guys couldn't, could you travel to the East Coast and, and, and not have any issues to New York? Um, I didn't feel comfortable. Wow. You know, because because the the beef was real. Like, it wasn't fake. It wasn't just for television. You know, it was but, real. But it, was it not just Death Row and Bad Boy, but then, or was it... Is was it all Wu Tang and anyone that's East Coast and 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 or was it just those two? Because I mean, Quick was he involved? I didn't realize. I didn't think Quick was. No, we we like we were never really involved to whereas we were personally at war. It was yeah. it was our association mm. uh, to Death Row that had us involved, but we personally were not involved. Okay, you know we like you know we we didn't. You know, quick, quick and myself, we didn't have anything against Bad Boy. We didn't have anything against Biggie. You know, we didn't have, you know, cause there was no real, no real reason. You know, it, it was all, it, it, it started out um, fabricated and then it turned into real, you know, when people oh, what started do you mean fabricated? You know, just, just, just in other words, like there was no real reason why there was a war. Like oh. nobody had got hurt on their side. Nobody had got hurt on our side. Um, and it was just, um, it was something that just, uh, just slowly but surely just kind of fell in our lap. Like it just happened, you know? Do you think it was, Park saw it as something as a way of let's generate publicity and a, a way of just, you know, just like a little rivalry so we can sell records and people can think. I can say that. Yes, of course. And, 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 and again, you know, I'm glad that you put it that way, because at the end of the day, 
you know, that's that, that's what I mean, um, you know, when I said fabricated, where it, it was kind of a thing to where it's a good uh, publicity um, mm. tool, you know, to use. But it actually, you know, turned into a real thing. And, you know, again, you know, Pac died and then Biggie died. And that's when it was really real. You know, it was like, you know, this is, you know, all, all I mean, man, was it worth it? No. I mean, you know? especially especially if they were they were still the best in, in you know if they were around now. I don't think anyone could touch them. But what was it like when Biggie died? Did, did, did was that scary for for you guys associated with Death Row? Especially not yourself. for me. I mean, okay. not for me. Like, you know, I don't think I've, I've I've ever mentioned this in any interview that I've ever done. But um, you know, the way that the the streets and you know the gangs and all that you know the the, the politics of it is is designed. It's like normally, once a death of that of that uh, magnitude happens, mm. it's almost inevitable that you know th there's going to be some sort of retaliation. Mm. And you know, for me, when Pog died, and then Biggie was hanging out in L.A. Like he was spending like a lot of time here. Wow. And Biggie, Biggie did this record. And the first time that I heard it, uh, I forgot who I was talking to, but I told them, I said, like, that's it. That's the end. He did this record called I'm Going Back to Cali. Mm. And in the record, he was talking about being in Cali you know, and uh, part of my French, but, you know, smoking our weed and uh, part of my French, but, and fucking our bitches, mm. right? That's a no-no out here. It's, it, it, like to me, when I heard it, it felt like that he was throwing it in our face. That, that's just what I felt, mm. you know, when I first heard the record. So coming from the streets, it's like, you playing it kind of close, that's dangerous. That's just what I felt. It was kind of like a, a diss record to me. That, that's what it felt like. So that's when I knew, I said, man, th this ain't gonna end well. Because I understand the politics out here on the West Coast. Mm. You know, the East Coast may be different, but I understand the politics out here on the West Coast. And to me, you know, he, he did a West Coast beat. And he named the song, I'm going back to Cali. And he was talking about the things that he was doing out here like, it was kind of like fuck y'all. Like, wow. like I'm like I'm untouchable. That's what it felt like to me. And you know, lo and behold, you know, uh, shortly after that, you know, he got killed. You know, yeah, you know, out here. So uh, yeah, and I and I guess that's that. It's it's um, it does seem strange that he would um. And as I said, Bad Boy was not a rap label. It was a it was a sort of R&B stuff. And they, you know, from what we know, Puffy didn't come from 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 the, from the streets. So um, so I don't know the um, why they would um, be that bold. And not feel, especially after Park died, and not be very cautious and careful with what they're doing, or try 
and, and smooth things over because it just means that um, it's like, yeah, it, it, it was a bad thing. But then there was, and 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 I, I have no idea. I didn't realize that there was. I just thought he was in LA to to to, to finish some some recording stuff. I didn't realize they were almost saying we're untouchables. We can do what we want out here. Was sugar and sugar wasn't around. Um, after Pac died, sugar went to prison. Um, I, I can't remember like the exact um timeline, but. But he was um, in prison when Biggie died. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, you know, again, it's like being out here, you know, Big was out here. He he was out here recording. You know, he was out here working. But mm-hmm. he was also, you know, again, to put out a record like that and to be in California is bold. You know, wow. to spend weeks and months at a time out here and you're talking about the things that you're doing to our women and you smoking up our weed, that was bold. And the beef was still at this peak in, at, at that time as well. Of course, because, it, you know, it was it was tension because Pac had died. We, you know, we basically, you know, the West Coast lost one of its leaders, one of its pioneers. But you didn't think Biggie, I mean, you didn't think they were responsible. I mean, as of just being, just, just being neutral. Me personally, I didn't. Okay. You know, because I didn't think that, they weren't built like that, you know, to me, mm-hmm. you know, bad boy wasn't like a real gangster label to me. So to me, they weren't built like that. You know, they weren't real gangsters, not to me. Yeah. 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 So I, so I never once even thought that they did it, you know, could they have orchestrated it? Maybe, I don't know, but them, them, you know, themselves, nah, they weren't, they weren't built like that. Wow. And so you weren't surprised when he went when he got shot but then the day it, it happened that must have been a surprise it well not a shock or it was like yeah this guy was living too dangerously or you talking about biggie yeah because i still remember no. i was in college when he died I, it was it was a big shock for me but for yourself after I no i wasn't surprised i wasn't surprised at all because of you know again the politics of the west coast i mean that's kind of like you know that's the that's what you know what the life is you know when it comes to you know um let's just say you know blood you know bloods and crips you know if you kill if you kill a crip you know they they're going to retaliate that's just the nature of the game you know what i'm saying that's the nature of the game and and the politics out here so back then you know i wasn't surprised i was actually at the um at the um uh, i think it was the vibe awards or something i think it was Mm. vibe and um, you know where Biggie got killed, so uh, I was there. Yeah, maybe I, Soul know, Train, I really, maybe Soul Train, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was either Vibe or Soul Train, but okay. Yeah, but our um, our limousine um was was actually parked behind their trucks at wow. that time. Yeah, so they it, you know um out in front of the uh, um in front of the venue. Yeah, I was there. Oh, but you didn't witness it. You just you would no okay no, because they they. They had took off. They had left. But I'm saying, like, I remember that night. I remember um, seeing them coming out. You know, getting into their trucks. I was there. What did that incident do to you personally? Did you, um, did you decide? Did it, did it make any? Did it change where you went? What you did? The, the direction of your music? Or how, what? What? How, what? 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 What
you know, within six months, you've got two of the, the biggest stars, hip hop stars being shut down um, and on the West Coast. What did it change? Did it have an impact on you as a as an artist, as a person and, and what you were doing? To, to be honest, no, it didn't. Because there's always been, I guess, being from the West Coast, there was always a, a sense of, of uh, empowerment and, and, and security, you know, when you're at home, mm-hmm. you know. And again, I never looked at, you know, the East Coast or Bad Boy as being uh, people of that magnitude when it came to, to uh, you know, being gangsters and to have to fear, you know, for my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when that happened, I felt like really that the chapter was closed in its entirety. You know, the East Coast, West Coast beef was done, mm-hmm. you know, and um, that um, we had a choice then to, to turn music back around to being good and, mm-hmm. and to just start doing good music again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, you know what? Okay, Pac is dead. Uh, Biggie is dead. You know, let the dust settle. And let's get back to just doing a positive, good music. You know, yeah. the, the war is over. Sugar's in, in, in prison. Like, it's over. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just what it felt like to me. So what, what did you... Um, it Was it at this time that you went to do some stuff with Snoop on, on No Limits? Or what, what, what did you... Uh, uh, what what did you move on to after you did the R. Kelly stuff? Um, yeah, uh, Snoop. Like I said, Snoop um, at No Limit. Um, did more stuff with uh, Raphael Sadiq. Um, did uh, uh, Will Smith. Okay, what Will what Smith. did you do for, for? What did you do for Will? I did a record on. Uh, it was called uh, "Could You Love Me" on Will Smith's. Uh, what album big, was that? That was that big Willie style of his big. I I can't remember the name of the album. Because that I came out to ninety seven. That came out ninety seven. Yeah, yeah. The plaque is yeah, plaque is here on the wall. But, <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he um, I did. Could you love me? And I did another record. I did two records on Will. Okay. On Will Smith. Yeah. The um, what was it like working with Snoop when he's on No Limits? Um, that whole in that environment and and how was he you know he's now making a little bit more money what was it like did you notice a difference with Snoop when you worked with him on on that No Limit album a big difference you know he was you know uh real easy you know easy to work with you know he had gotten his money so he was happy (laughs) (laughs) you know and um he was just he was the same Snoop but just more free Mm. you know but no tension you know, like I seen, I seen the growth in him at the time. Like it, it was, it was good to see, you know, my, you know, my brother like that. You know, you know, to see him happy. Yeah, yeah. And and I get and I and 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 I guess it was um it was very interesting because he had the album split between Beats by the Pound doing some production, um, and he got you guys, um, Sugar Free and and um and even Dre. So it was a very, it was a very, I won't say strange album, but it was a, it was a, it was a very, he, he had to have his No Limit sound. He had to have his, his West Coast sound. What did you think about, uh, about the album? Um, well, of course, back then, you know, we all had 
anybody that was you know successful in any form kind of had their own ego <laughs> and you know i was you know i was a, a firm believer that you know the west coast had the best sound regardless <laughs> so you know i think the album was good but it just you know to me it didn't really fit who he really was in its entirety to me yeah i mean it worked you know it uh you know he was able to you know turn his career around and you know to uh go on to bigger and better things but just overall to me it wasn't his sound yeah it was you know, to me yeah go ahead you know to me he, he to me he contributed to their sound but it wasn't really his sound yeah because it was hard because once you're no limit we there was an expectation that we needed to hear no limits and that type of you know sudden sort of um, energy that they bring um but snoop was always a very mellow sort of rapper so he needed something that slows it down so he can use use that but he so he was caught in between between the between the two um, yeah at the at the time then when um dre went off to do aftermath were you still with death row and was dre then becoming an enemy when he 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 left everything i mean and people couldn't understand why he would just leave a hundred million dollar business and snook kept saying it and then just say look i'm just going to start afresh did that surprise you no it didn't surprise me because dre wasn't really with the the nonsense dre wasn't really with um you know the extracurricular activities you know people getting beat up and you know gangster stuff that was going on <laughs> you know he wasn't really with that you know and you know dre you know coming off of the, you know, the deal with Easy, and then walking into pretty much the same deal with more drama. Yeah. On top of that, that's not who Dre is, you know. So that's why he walked away because it, it was too much, you know, too much of the bad was outweighing the good, you know. So it was the thing to where, you know, Dre, Dre just wanted to make music. Mm. You know, you know, you don't want to see nobody getting beat up for nothing or, you know, people fighting and, you know, grown <laughs> men fighting in the hall. Like, nah, man. Okay. Nah, he, you know. But then as a producer um, who, 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 who got in through, through quick, quick recently um, mentioned that um, he got frustrated that he hasn't, doesn't get the same recognition and accolade as, as Dr. Dre. Um, even though he loves Dre as a brother and everything, but there's a sense that he doesn't get recognized for his music contribution to West Coast or even just hip hop music in general. Um, being part of Camp with Quick, was there ever a sense of did you guys not see Dre as well? You know, he's just on another level, or was there a sense where, well, you know, production wise, we, we you know, he we're doing almost the same type of thing. Um, you know, I've always, some people may think because of, you know, who I am in Quick's life that, that I'm only saying this because he's my brother, but, you know, fact is just me knowing both mm -hmm. Quick is, you know, in my opinion, more talented than Dre, Quick plays uh, instruments, Quick uh, produces records from scratch and you know to me dre just had 
has always had a bigger machine behind him, you know, and which made him into the person that he was. And I'm not saying that Dre is not a, a, a good producer because he, he definitely is one of the best. But there's elements when it comes to producing that a lot of people don't understand from the outside looking in. You know, some of us producers, like we really do play instruments. And then there's a, another way of producing where you bring in other people and they come up with the ideas and then you just capitalize on it, mix it and put your name on it. Mm. You know, like when Dre had, like when he had Scott Storch. Yeah. For years and people didn't know. You know, he had Scott Storch. Scott Storch was doing all the music and Dre's putting his name on it. And I'm not, I'm not dissing Dre mm. again, but that's still, that's actually producing still. You know, that's, that, that's another way of producing. You know, you know, just because you can't physically play something, if you can bring it out of somebody else or you can tell them what to play, that's still producing. Yeah, Quincy Jones, yeah, like something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. That, that's another example, Quincy Jones. But Quick just happens to actually really play. Wow. Quick rarely realize. needs, he rarely needs other uh, musicians to come in and to, you know, contribute. Rarely. Mm. That's the difference. You know, so, you know, to me, personally, that makes him an overall better producer to me. Mm. You know, and, you know, that's just my opinion. You know, others may, mm. you know, yeah, others may think differently, but that's just my opinion. I mean, when you think of the fact that you and Quick have worked with Tony, 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 Raphael Sadiq, and, and when people think about musicians and, and, and sort of soul music, you know, Raphael seems to be, you know, because Raphael then goes and lends his, his talents to D'Angelo and Andy Stone. So there is a sense of, wow, you guys are really, you guys are musicians kind of and funk and you can go and, and move from hip hop to soul and R&B. I mean, you gave Tony, Tony, Tony that, you know, let's get down massive track. So there, but, and, and, and I do wonder if, the sound that you guys came up with. Yeah, I think the sugar-free part of the camp or because you guys seem to have the same type of vibe. You said Izzy? Yeah, is he part he? of you know, was he part of was he part of your because he did the, the sounds, the production sound sounded that kind of funk live. Yeah, we did we we did sugar free. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah sugar free was um he was uh Signed to a uh, uh, laneway and and uh, which is uh was Black Tone's label, and Black Tone is from Compton. That's you know that's Quick's uh uh, uh big brother, you know, so to speak. Okay, so that's yeah. why that's why it's okay. Yeah, so yeah, so we did yeah we did Sugar Freeze music. We did uh, the whole first album, uh, Street Gospel. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you, uh, if you stay ready and and all that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, so as I said, I mean, you said you worked with Raphael Sadiq then. What's it like working with him um, as a musician himself and, and, and stuff? You know what, it's, it's actually easy because, you know, when you got talented musicians in one room and, you know, and once again, one of us will, you know, was come up with a baseline or come up with, you know, the baseline to start the record and then the other one would jump in and like, you know, like for instance, when we did Let's Get Down, um, it was me, Quick, and Raphael in the studio, and um, uh, 
we came up with the baseline because there's two there's two baselines on that record. So I came up with one and Quick came up with the other one. Okay. And then and then Raphael just grabbed his guitar and he started <laughs> playing. And like the record, the idea was literally done in less than 30 minutes. The wow. idea. Yeah. So once the idea was done, you know, Raphael knew that uh, you know, that Quick and I was going to finish it. So Raphael, Raphael got up and he said, All right, man. He said, I'm gone. <laughs> and we're like, what? I said, what do you what what do you mean you're gone? He said, man, you guys, you guys just wrote me a hit record. I'm, I'm gonna go buy me a Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, he left and then uh and then Quick and I, you know, we finished the record and then Raphael wrote the lyrics and it was that was it. Yeah, what about his brother and the rest of the group? Um, I think then on that album, they each were um assigned to do uh x amount of records so yeah, they were doing they were doing records separately that's why uh, Dwayne got you know uh, his own records on there and and you know Raphael got his own records on that yeah album. Yeah. yeah I heard Raphael in an interview saying that there was um tensions were high and and, and so they had to hit so Dwayne and, and Chris uh, uh, and Tim recorded separately but if they had known what you guys did with him, they would have gone more songs because yeah. he did think he was going to do get more songs from you guys, but it was just the, the the way they were at the time. They weren't in a good place. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. So, yeah. So you know, Ray Raphael was actually uh, my friend. He was a personal friend of mine back then. Yeah. So okay. you know, I, I knew Dwayne and Tim, but I was close to Ray. I was close to Raphael. Oh, so, I mean, because of because of being a, from the um, North California, or yeah, yeah. So yeah, so he actually Raphael actually was the one that called, um, that called me, oh. and uh, you know, yeah, that called for me and quick. So, and it it just came together, man. It came together fast, like, and you know, we we did a hit, and you know, like I said, you know, we did a hit record, man, and shit, like less than thirty minutes. It was you know, the idea was done. At this time, are you thinking, do I need to go back on the road and, and start drumming? Or were you like, man, this producer stuff is so much fun and more money and, and less, less hassle. You can go back home and sleep in your own bed after. You mean then? Well, in the midst of all this stuff, were you thinking, man, I'm glad I'm I'm not on the road and thank God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, definitely, man. No, I, I, I love the studio, you know, back then. Like, that was my go-to. And, um... You know, I was telling myself I would never go back on the road. <laughs> I would never. Yeah, I would never go back on the road. I mean, uh, it's, it, when I interviewed um, DOA, he was saying the same thing that he um, he just he, he 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 it was he just got into the studio, to, you know, just as a as a hobby. And he thought about writing a song for Bobby. And, you know, he didn't realize that from just writing stuff that he could go record it. And, and he didn't realize the shift between being a session musician on a, on, on concert and then being on a, in a studio where the money is guaranteed is upfront and, and, and there's less, I won't say less work, but it's, it's, you know, it doesn't take as much out of you for yourself. Yeah. Did you then look at, did you, did you try and convince any of your other band friends about, you know, why don't you get become producers or did you just, how is it like? Cause 
at, at that time when you when you seen the success? Um, no, um, you know, I kept in touch with a lot of musicians and, you know, believe it or not, you know, some musicians like they love it, you know, like they being on really the road. Into, yes. You know, they love playing live. They love being on the road. It just for me personally, it was, you know, it takes a toll on your body, all the traveling and, mm. and you know, doing uh, uh, an hour show every night. And, you know, it's a lot, <laughs> you know, versus, you know, just being home in your own element, you know, you go to the studio, you know, create, you know, you get paid way more money. <laughs> and, yeah. And, you know, like you said, and, and, and you go home and get in your bed, man. Yeah. You, you did some work with um, Genuine. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did a remix on Genuine's first, uh, was the first or second album. I did a remix uh, to um, I'll Do Anything. Okay. Yeah, I did a club version of that record. Okay. Yeah, and what it's, about... on, uh, it's, on, it's on YouTube. It's, it's the remix. Okay. And what about Tadina Howard? Yeah, uh, Quick and I, we did a, a record on Adina Howard. It was called uh, uh, Freaking You Know It. Okay. Yeah. And... Uh, that was uh, on her second album, I believe. Yeah. I believe it was, yeah. Yeah. How was it like working with her? I mean, after the success of a, of a massive hit, and th was she also one of those who the persona of her, of her videos are different from when she's in person? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. There, you know, there's absolutely nothing fake about Adina, you know, Adina, you know what you're seeing is 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 exactly what you get. You know, <laughs> nice, very nice girl. You know, very nice girl, but had no problem at all with you know with her, you know her sexual um, identity, if you will. Um, but you know, very talented artist. But you know, she lit. She really lived what she sang about. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like it was. It was. It was. It was nothing fake. Like that wasn't. <laughs> that wasn't the character. Like uh, Dina was real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we saw her on song, and she, she, she yeah, it, yeah, she, she said she's addicted and stuff. But yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she said it first. <laughs> yeah, she did. She did. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm just repeating it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, most people would be surprised that you did work with Shaq. Yeah, 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 yeah. Quick and I, uh, we did. Uh, one of Shaq's uh, uh, biggest records. Um, uh, what was it called? Uh, uh, Straight Plan. Did, yeah. Did, did it seem like, a, 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 as I said, you know, Shaq, an NBA player, did it feel as if, okay, we're just, this is like a novelty stuff like Deion Sanders um, um, must be the money? <laughs> you know what? At first, when, when we got the call, of course, that was the you know, first thing that I thought. You know, you know, just, just you know, just, just just another athlete that can you know do what he wants. You know, <laughs> if you want to rap, of course, you know you you know you. But once I heard him, like once, oh. once we got into the studio and I heard, I was like, wow, like this dude really can rap. Oh, like this, you know, like this ain't a gimmick. Like this dude can rap. Okay, you know, yeah. So like he they, he really surprised me. I was like, wow, and and then you know that's that's what I took it more serious. 
Okay. <laughs> you know, because at first, of course, back then, it was just about, you know, us, us all being celebrities. And it's kind of like, and it was about the money. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was Shaq. You know, Shaq came to L.A. You know, you know, he, he was one of us now. He, he was playing for the Lakers. And, okay, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so. Uh, but, I mean, he surprised me, man. Like, I'm like, wow, this dude can really rap. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. It, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. He, yeah I mean, he did the, the movie that wasn't great, Shazam, but uh, something like Was it... Um... I can't remember what it was, but yeah, the the album did didn't do too bad, and he also featured on Michael Jackson's uh, history album, you know. So he, yeah. he, he, he so he, he he did have some some skills in there. Um, yeah. When you think back at 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 your stuff at that time, because I did remember that you did stuff with BBD back in um, I think it was their their last album that came out in twenty seventeen or so. Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, I did. Um... I did a record for them. Uh, it's called, uh, oh, it was called Find A Way. Okay. And actually what's, what's crazy is that I also did a record that's called Find A Way on this artist named Duwale. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was back in um, 2000, I'm gonna say 2003, 2004, but this the, the record that I did on, on BBD is called Find a Way. And uh, Ricky Bell, Ricky is a, a good friend of mine. So Rick called me uh, because, you know, they have been saying that, you know, that they wanted to work with me over the oh. years. So, you know, when this opportunity came, uh, Ricky, Rick called me and asked me for a record. So when I sent the record over to him, they loved the record. So... Once once we cut the record, we did the record. I turned, I, I I mixed it and I turned it in, and then the the label heard it, and the label um, asked them, you know, how come the rest of the records don't sound like this record? <laughs> so so from there, I, I get a um, I get a phone call from Rick and the and, and the guys, and. Um, they um they were asking me to to fix and mix other records the other producers I did on that album wow yes so i did that so i'm i'm a part of i believe maybe six records on that album wow yeah okay. yeah so yeah because they you know they they love the sound yeah yeah now i'll go back and listen to it i did buy the album and i did like it um i did, unfortunately it didn't get I won't say it didn't get promoted, but I think the industry has changed so much that it's it songs have to go viral and and you don't sell CDs, so it's really hard to judge success unless. And it was pre TikTok, so it, it it's it's a really different ballgame to make music. I mean, since then, I mean, what's been the the anything recently that you've you've worked on, or, or what's it like being a producer now, where um, the industry and labels aren't um I saw somewhat selective with black music and so what is it that you've been doing since really just um more so now uh developing my brand because it's you know these days it's more than just producing it's more than just doing music um anything associated with uh with music these days really has to have a purpose behind it like you know it has to be more than just music like I'm, I'm doing a host of uh, independent artists, of course, and uh, 
like um I did um uh, a couple of records on uh on corrupt. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, corrupt is working on a project. I'm doing a lot of stuff outside of me too that's that's still related, um, but it's really more brand related, you know. Um uh, and then I've gotten into like you know the whole uh crypto and bitcoin and all that other stuff so 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 i'm doing i'm doing a host of things you know these days man so uh, i mean you know, put, you know so so financially you're settled with with all your investments and stuff but the music side it's it is it because if we reflect back to the, your days at, at death row where you were just so you were inundated with just doing going into the studio do you miss I mean, not the the hostile environment of death row, but do you miss those days of just working and creating music and just having and seeing it out on the radio and stuff? Um, or are, are you in a better place now? No, I, I do. I I miss the the simplicity of of the format that worked. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I do miss. You know, you you put the work in, you you know, create these magical records and they go through the machine and the world gets to enjoy, you know, the fruits of your labor. The world yeah. gets to enjoy, you know, uh, you know, gets to share your, you know, your music with you. You know, it was simple, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, and it's, it's not like that no more, you know, like you can't, you know, we used to be able to just walk a, a record into radio. You can't do that no more. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's, you know, just the, just the whole politics, of the music business has taken over music mm. and its talent. It's not the same, you know? And it, that, you know, to me, that's when it's not fun no more. Mm. So when it's not fun, you know, for me, you know, I just kind of, I, I take a back seat, you know, when it comes to certain things. Like, I'm just kind of like, uh, you know. So is it that you don't, you don't necessarily need to and I won't say you don't need to work, but is it that if you have the opportunity to make records, you can, but it's not something that you, you know, it's not stuff that um, you almost need to be working just to, to, to make it by. I mean, what's the situation like when it comes to, as a, as a producer who was very busy back in the 90s and, 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 and early 2000s, is it at a point where you do it out of fun now? or is? Yeah, because, you know, God blessed me to where it's, you know, I, I put in a lot of work and, you know, I've sold a lot of records throughout my career. So I'm, you know, I'm pretty much, I still get my publishing and, you know, and Apart uh, from death row. <laughs> <laughs> outside of death row, but, you know, I, still, you know, I still get my royalties and, and, you know, God's blessed, God has blessed me to where, you know, I can pretty much live off my royalties if I wanted to, you know, so it does, you know, allow me the freedom to explore. Okay. And and you know and and to really understand what my purpose is in the next uh, in the second uh, you know second half of my life, mm. you know. So I've been I've been awarded that, and you know I thank God for that. But you know again, you know I'm I'm still producing, but you know anything that I do, it has to have a purpose attached to it. I just don't I don't get up and go to the studio every day mm. like I used to. I don't get up and 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 uh, you know the first thing I do is to you know do a beat. I don't I don't do that no more. But when you say it has you know, to have a purpose, what 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 does that mean? Like 
uh, like DVD, for example. Yeah. You know, so in other words, you know, they're working on an album. They, they, they have a machine behind them. They have a label. You know, all the components are in place. You know, but as far as me just doing it, you know, believing in somebody else's dream and, you know, they don't have a purpose. They don't have a label. They don't have. I can't. I'm not doing it. <laughs> but you say you do stuff for independent artists, though. I mean, yeah, that was... but, yeah, but those most most of the independent artists that I do things for, they 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 have distribution. OK. Yeah. So that, you know, that's the new independent game. Most of them go out and they land a distribution deal. So at least I know that the record has a chance to come out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, okay. But but as far as me just uh, you know passing beats out, you know, like these new producers, and uh, I'm not that producer. Did you, yeah. did you ever get into wanting to develop your own artism and 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 stuff? I did uh, before the industry changed. Okay. Once the industry changed and the, and the record label started um, shutting down mm. and they started merging and shutting down and, um, and you know, the politics uh, got different, it, it kind of just, it, it turned me off. Okay. You know, I didn't want to pursue and put that much time into a person to, uh, you know, tonight get what I want out of it. Mm. You know, it just it, it didn't it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, most of us will be listening and thinking, how come yourself and Quick haven't come up with music and just you know just getting just making music and 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 making it and putting it on streaming services and stuff. Um, what what well, what do you mean? Um, as far as like, like yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, you and Quick. I mean, Quick, we we haven't heard anything new from Quick in a while. I mean, I've. Is he is he out of the gate? Is he just also well, in that sense of land? Let's just actually, you know, I guess you know I can I can say it now, but I mean, Quick is actually um, working on an album right now. Okay. Yeah, the actually a Quick single is going to be dropping in in two weeks. Wow. Yeah, um, we just shot the video uh, last week, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So are you still involved you know, with working with him? You still Yeah, yeah, I did. I worked on a couple of songs with him on that album. Not I didn't do uh the entire album. He he did like most of it. Okay. But like, you know, I played drums on a couple of songs and you know, just contributed here and there, but he pretty much did it. Like he's he hasn't put out an album in 10 years. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, so and 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 the single is man, nice. Wow, yeah. but, like um, you know, it's, it's you know the single. It's not your typical quick that people would think that he. You know, people think that quick is going to always come with this like you know club funk type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This record, this record is is like it's man, it's like phenomenal. You'll hear it. Okay. You'll hear it. Yeah. Since he's your brother, you, you you've got to help us get him on the show so we can help promote. Says his stuff. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely, of course, definitely. Yeah, yeah that's that's easy. Yeah. Oh, okay, because I um I because I interviewed Elder Barge. Okay. And um, when I asked Elder Barge, I said, "What was it like working with Quick?" And he says, "Man, a Quick pulled him when he was at his lowest." Because I I spent an hour and a half with Elder Barge, and he talked about how he got dropped and how the labor. He just was he was low in confidence. 
and he said how quick just just lifted him up and so and 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 just just gave him his mojo back and gave him that hit record and yeah. and and that's what, were you around when when L was yes yes that was when we um uh, we recorded uh hand in hand with Elder Barge what was it like for you seeing Elder Barge it, you know, working with you guys, did it, did it sound seem surreal? Like this is Elder Barge. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I was I was a fan. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, who who wasn't a fan of of the Barge? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you know, uh, seeing him and meeting him for the first time, of course, it was it was almost like seeing Michael Jackson. Yeah, like, it was like, <laughs> you know, like you know, back then, like. Those stars, like those Motown stars, and like yeah. those, like they really look like stars. <laughs> and they, their energy and their whole persona in the room was like a glow. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So even though you know he says that 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 he was at his lowest, man, we were at our highest. We were <laughs> like, this L. <laughs> like L to Bart. It's like that's like that's like saying Michael Jackson. Yeah. 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 Wow! Yeah, he, he you know he he said he, he he gave him his mojo back. In fact, when I played the, when I released the clip, um, I think Quick saw it where he you know and and was really appreciated of 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 the fact that L remembered him and 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 really sort of lifted him up like that because it's you know he he he, he you know he said he was you know they 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 stopped him from writing and he just they dropped him and he just didn't have anything. So the fact that you know, he, he he got brought in and 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 been given out boosts and stuff. Um, you, you know, and I, and I think that's that's the kind of stuff that's you know, as you mentioned earlier, that when you got to work with Quick, you saw how Suge sort of treated you guys, and you could see. And many art and many people I've interviewed have said the the you know, someone like DJADF was one guy who made sure that the people who were signed to Untouchables, he taught them the business, said, look, I'm going to, you know, get your, make sure you get your publishing, make sure you get this stuff. And in, uh, even when I spoke with KG from Naughty by Nature, he said that, you know, Queen Latifah's mom, um, they made sure that they explained the business so they can, and and him, and in fact, when he started his label, he made sure when he signed Nex and Jaheem, and um, that he made sure that they, they got everything, at, you know, because they didn't treat he didn't get treated badly, so he didn't spread it around. So it is remarkable that you mentioned that Quick was there to be able to make sure that you were fairly, you know, taught you the stuff fairly. Because he could have just signed you off like Sugar and uh, like Snoop, and you'd <laughs> you'd be making music, and then ten years later you start realizing. Why do you think he was upfront and honest? Um, because that's that's really who Quick really is. Like that's his person, Quick. Quick is definitely one of the most, um, I would say, fair uh, stand-up guys that I've ever worked with. You know, outside of, you know, of course, you know, my brother, uh, uh, DOA, you know, Derek DOA, Allen. But, um, you know, I've been fortunate to have, you know, people like that in my life throughout my career where it, it was never a thing, a doubt of me getting uh, less than what I deserved and me not being uh, treated fair when it came to things that that I wasn't familiar with, you know? So, you know, Quick is definitely one of those guys. That's just, you know, that's just the person that he is. 
you know, he plays fair. He's always, you know, played fair, you know. But that, you know, but as I said, being the, I mean, you've seen other people, so that um, that seems to be very rare, especially within, rare. That, yeah. It is rare. It's, it's, it's very rare, you know. But at, but at the end of the day, you know, when you do good business, good comes back to you. Yeah. You know, and that's why you know, Quick has been able to maintain and to be. Uh, blessed in this industry because he's always played fair mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and you know and i'm not you know i'm not throwing um you know sugar under the bus but you know look, you know look at the result mm -hmm. you know when you do when you treat people bad bad comes back to you at yeah. some point yeah you know? I, mean, I as i said it, it's it's one of those things where you 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 especially within our own black community, because when I've interviewed artists who were signed directly to a major, they were given the same deals as the white artists. So they, they you know, they had the, you know, so you start wondering why a white artist can come out and start making a million dollars and, and, and retire. But what our black artists, you know, they, they, they get everything taken away from them and we're doing it to ourselves. And it, and it's, and it's like, how do you expect the community to survive and, and, and grow and be empowered if we're robbing the next generation and then they have to rob the next generation just to make up for what you stole from them? Um, and, and now, after all that, our music has been the one that's been sidelined. So country music still thrives like it used to. Pop music and rock music still has its outlet, still thrives. And it's just really urban music, whether it's soul, um, whether it's a, various, a variant of, of hip-hop that has now been left and marginalized, and, and yet we're still, you know, rubbing and stealing from ourselves. So that's that's always the hard thing, and really the hardest part of my job doing this podcast is hearing the stories of other Black artists talking about how they just got taken um, and they didn't know the business until three albums later. Um did you did did that change how you related to other artists? Did it did it make a difference the kind of relationships you had with anyone who was up and coming or producers who were working for you? No, I've always, you know, I've I've always treated artists and and producers that were working under me exactly the way that I was taught. Um, because again, you know, you know, Sugar and those guys, they were just repeating what they were taught, you know, because, you know, a lot of the, the uh, black labels and, and, uh, and people in power back then, they were, they were raping a lot of the black artists, you know, as far as their publishing and all that. And that's, that was the rule of the game back then, you know, but, you know, we, we, we strive to, to kind of break that curse, mm -hmm. you know, you get, you get what you work for. You know, you get you get what you exactly what you work for. And, you know, I've, I've always tried to be fair. You know, if you work, you eat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you deserve, you know, you deserve your publishing. You got families and kids and all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, so, you know, when you have that mentality, you know, good will always come to you. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. you know, people and people will always come back to you, you know, to work. You know. That's how you stay blessed. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
Well, I mean, as we wrap up, uh, I wanted to go and get your top five productions, so songs that you've produced that if you look back and say, you know, if you had to stand and submit them to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which would be the five tracks that you have produced that you'd say, yeah, I'm gonna, I want, I'll take these five. Oh, <laughs> wow. Uh, well, of course, Home Alone, R. Kelly. <laughs> you know, even though you know, you know, you know, people, uh, you know, they they feel the way they do about him now because of the you know the position that he's in. But but I would say, um, Home Alone, of course, Let's Get Down. Uh, Safe and Sound, uh, DJ Quick. Um, wow. Ooh, uh, different. Uh, find a way, uh, Dwelle. Okay. And uh, wow. You know what? Even though it it really didn't get its chance to compete, I will say the record that I did on BB on BBD, uh, find a way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Those. Those. Uh, damn. Well, you said five. <laughs> I would have to say I don't know, man, because the the Shack record, the straight plan, like that was that was a hell of a record too. I don't know. But now, those, those, are you going those, for those, records that that were the, your biggest? Or are you or are you thinking about your favorite? Because that's just you know they're, they're, I've I've done interviews that have just gone viral, but I I you know I, I I but I won't call them my favorite. I you know I, sometimes the favorite ones hardly anyone watches them. So for yourself though, I'm thinking about when you look back and says, "Oh man, it's a pity people didn't listen." But this was I really loved the work I did on that. Yeah, but it's like. Like throughout my career, most of the records that I've done have always been singles. Wow. So rare, rarely did I do a record that was just on the album. Most of the records that I've done, most of them yeah. have been singles. But um, I'm just thinking of the quality of the records and, you know, the impact, you know, that the records had, mm. you know. Yeah, so I, I would say though, you know, even though you said five, I would say those six. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, which is which is fine. Um, so I, I always ask my guests as I wrap up that if you were stuck in an elevator and you know, I and you had to watch your favorite movie, what what what's your favorite movie? Wow. Uh. Wow. You know what this this may sound this may sound corny but uh I love uh I'm gonna get you sucker. Oh, oh the Kenyan Ivy Range one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> that's one of my that's one of my top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's a no, it's a, it was a it was a, it was a yeah, because it was very much the black version of those kind of lethal weapon kind of stuff and yeah, so yeah. Uh, airplane, yeah. So it was it, it was good. Oh, okay. Um and then favorite song. You know, not not that you've produced, but your favorite, your, your you know, your favorite song by any artist or. Uh, I love um, Africa by Toto. Whoa. 
Wow. Toto's one of my favorite, one of my favorite bands, my favorite groups. Wow. You know, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's come, that's, that's because that's from my musician side. You know, I'm a mm. drummer. Ah, you know, okay. Yeah. So I love the percussion. The, the, yeah. 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 That's one of my favorite records though. Wow. I remember yeah, when I interviewed Jackie McGee, she went and toured and with, with, with them back in um, 93 and stuff. And, and she, she says that it was a whole different type of experience being yes. on, with a rock band and, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite bands, man, of all time. You know, of course there's others, but, you know, Toto, that's my, that's my go-to. Wow. I mean, do you miss, did you play and do you still play and stuff? Or does it? Does, actually, do you... yeah, actually, Quick just brought me out of retirement. <laughs> I, I didn't play drums. I didn't play drums for 20 years. Are you serious? Wow. Yes. For 20 years. And he just brought me out of retirement uh, in 2022. And I started, um, so like, when we, like I'll, I'll go do some shows with him. And, so um, he's actually proper. I mean, we, it's very strange to hear about a hip hop artist actually being on stage with a band. Everyone just seems, especially hip hop, they get their DJ and that's safe for them. But you said he... He's a proper musician and he wants musicians to support him on stage. Yes. Um, certain cities that we do, um, certain venues, they're known for um, the live shows. Oh, like Yoshi and, and those yeah, kind of um, exactly. so, city like, winery. Did, okay. Right. So we just did Yoshi's um, a couple of weeks ago. And you're, you're back in your Northern Cala? Yeah. And yeah. And I sat in, um, I played drums on. Um, on uh, let's get down. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah it's, it's on YouTube. It's on it's online. Okay. And uh, yeah, so so yeah, quick quick finally bought me out of retirement, man. If anybody <laughs> can do it, you know, only he can do that. But yeah, he bought me out of retirement, so I'm so I'm playing again. Wow, DOA didn't try and get you into university with Chucky and 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 and. Nah, no, nah, that's that's too much work. I, I got to ease back in. That, that's too much work. Because <laughs> I've seen him play with his bass, and he's in. Man, man, he's man. Doa is is like, you know, and I'm not saying it because he's my friend, but I've never seen nobody play bass like him. Like he's, man, he's the, the best bass player I've ever seen. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So wow, goodness. Yeah. No, as I said, I think it's straight. It's 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 great that we're seeing um, all these little um, venues like City Winery and Yossi's um, popping up, giving our artists and and bands a venue again. Um, as you know, which which is which is much needed because you know they're you know because most of the '90s acts are, are doing DAC techs and 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 DJs. So when we see you guys. Um, I see Shante Moore doing a lot of these city wineries and stuff and Freddie Jackson and um, After Seven. It just feels like the kind of vibe that most people seem to be enjoying now and and, and stuff. So definitely we look forward to seeing more uh, of, of you guys on, on stage and stuff. Uh, but you know what, it's been, it's been fascinating. I, I actually had no idea where this uh, interview <laughs> was going to go. I had uh-huh. no idea your association with... Um, I knew you'd work with Quick, but I didn't realize the extent of it. But I didn't realize that you, 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 your extent of your history with Death Row and 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 you know that 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 was a 
even even when I lived in LA, everyone was even afraid to mention Suge. So <laughs> I think we were the same, same, the same room and stuff. <laughs> but you know, it definitely would be great if we um get quick to be able to talk about his new album and stuff and 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 his and his career as well and stuff. So yeah, definitely appreciate that. And actually, Ricky, have you have you gone to see them on tour, New Edition? Um. Yeah, I've seen them a couple of times, you know, when, um, especially uh, when they come to L.A. Oh, you did the, the culture tour last year, did you? I missed that one. Okay. Yeah, but um, yeah, but they, they're on the Legacy Tour right now. Um, yeah. They just started. Yeah, so I'll probably go check them out uh, when they come to L.A. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The, 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 the plaque behind you with the pink background, is that, who is that? Um, that's... Oh, that's uh quick. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah that's the uh, Rhythmalism album. And then okay. there's um uh, to my right over my shoulder. That's R. Kelly. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I, I think that was his best album. That double, that DR, the double album. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It actually went on to sell, I believe, twelve million copies or fourteen or something wow. like that. Wow. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I have. I have a host of plaques and, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things about the plaques is that it's, um, you know, because, with, you know, music is, is not the same, um, you know, music's not the same and it's not, um, you know, it's back in those days, people were, we had to buy the CD or the or the album and stuff and we felt like they had its value. But now, you know, you someone sends you an MP3 or you watch it on TV, it, it's, I watch it on YouTube. It doesn't seem to have the same um, value as as it once did, you know. And, yeah, the and same so, value. yeah. yeah so I do wonder what it is for you guys who create the music, knowing that you create it, and it's pretty much anyone can listen to it for free, even if they're streaming it. You know, it's, it's does it then dampen the incentive to make the music unless it's it's um, unless a label says here is a hundred thousand key makers a hit. Exactly. No, it, it does. It's like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, when it goes back to, you know, it, it, if it serves no purpose, it, it, you know, I can't do it. Like, I don't get the same enjoyment out of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm not driven to just do music just because, you know, because they, you know, they've taken, they've stripped the value to me. Yeah. It's not the same. Yeah, you know? and, and and we met we 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 definitely miss that, and we definitely think that. Um, but as I said, it it it'd be very interesting to see what happens. How is I'm glad that Quick is putting out music not because he wants he needs to pay his bills, but just because is it more so just like I've got music, I want to put it out there and and, and do some shows, or what? What do you think his incentive is? Yeah, um, a lot of it was his, you know, his fans. You know, you know, the fans have been asking for it, Yeah. you know, and, um, you know, he has a, you know, a huge following and his fans have been constantly asking and asking that. And, you know, he, you know, he would mention it every once in a while, you know, because he, he's always now him. He's always still in the studio. <laughs> you know, he's, he's always creating. You know, I'm the you know, I'm the lazy one at this point, <laughs> but, you know, but he, he's he's always creating. And you know he's always coming up with ideas. It's it just embedded in him. That's just who he is. Yeah. So, 
the fans started asking over and over. And then, um, you know, he started doing records and I would go to the studio with him every once in a while. And, and, um, you know, he, you know, he's playing me like these records and I'm like, man, like, this is crazy. You know, like you need, you need to go on and do an album. So, you know, he kept talking about it. And then all of a sudden, you know, he was like, man, it's been 10 years, you know, it's time, you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Did you ever think about doing your own, like a Quincy Jones back in the block or, or just where you, you'd feature other people with your production, the whole album? Um, I did um, back then. Um, and it was right before the industry changed. It started changing. Um, but um, yeah, I was, I was actually in pre-production coming up with ideas for that. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, once the industry started changing, it just kind of, I, I just put it on the back burner. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to go through all that. So are, are you ever going to consider doing that then? Maybe one day, maybe, you know, I think I still have the, the, um, the power and ability, you know, to pull it together, you know, but, you know, we'll see, you know. Because it, it, yeah, I think the, the 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 advantage of how things are now is that you can make music and put it out there at at I won't say no cost, but you don't need to go to BMG to go distribute it and, and press up CDs. Um so you can you can make it and and it's out there. Um and you know, you can be creative with with you know videos and 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 um and 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 some promotion stuff. But it's 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 a creator's field where you know and and cream rises to the top. So if it's if it's quality, it will it will get its way out there. Um, but it it you know. But then there's also this fact that if Quick is putting out music like he's, he is, he can then tour on it, and 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 you know he he can get his fans to 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 buy the physical copies if they want. So I do wonder if it's stuff like that you would consider thinking. Okay, you know what. Um, call on some of the people that I've worked with in the past and see if they want to feature on something, you know, get Ricky where he, you know, he's the one that doesn't really have anything solo get, you know, um, Raphael, you know, I know he's making video games and stuff and just, just yeah. get just this. And then, you know, just even do some instrumental stuff and, uh, you know, even get Duele and, and see if he's, he's up to do <laughs> stuff. I mean, it's, you know, that's, yeah. You know, when I when I spoke to Daryl Simmons, you know, part of the LA and Babyface team, he yeah. came out with a Christmas album and got people to sing on it. I mean, he said he's been, you know, it was just a, a you know a hobby to do, and and you know, and so and it's good to be able to do that and bless us with with stuff. So hopefully, <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, we'll see, man. You know, we'll we'll see, man. I'm, you know, it, it, it's still on it's still on my to do list, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a few people have been commenting. Um, they're talking. Uh, Sean saying G One is underrated. There's Bobby, Buddy B saying that your joint with Dwelly with 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 the jams. Um, uh, Diamond Onyx is also um, giving you props. So every, there's a few people who who have actually are familiar with with with, with, your, with your work and 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 uh, um, and us are giving you props for for your stuff and. And as I said, that kind of funk, um, kind of um, 
the jam was vibe is, is and especially being a musician i guess that's what contributes to the type of music that that you 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 you're very well known for um and i did listen to the home alone just before we started just to just to remind myself although i didn't really think i could hear kelly price in it as much as i thought i did yeah she's saying um kelly saying on the uh on the bridge part like the b section mm. yeah and, but I think um, our Kelly's voice was more dominant throughout more dominant. and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's how that's how he wanted it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a pity you didn't do more for him. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. That's, actually, I did. I did Home Alone, and I also did uh, uh, on the Life soundtrack, the, the movie Life with Eddie Murphy. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I did um a song called uh um. Dang, um, every day I think, or or something ghetto. I, I forgot the name of it. Who sang it? He sang it, Johnny. R. Kelly sang it. And, uh, and, and it was it, it was R. Kelly and uh and Quick. Yeah, Quick yeah, 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 yeah. Now yeah, I remember. Yeah, I think it was called like the World Is a Ghetto or, or something. It was I don't know. It was, okay, it was no, we, okay, okay, okay. Well, I mean, if you if you had a word of advice to um for any up and coming producers now. What would it be as we wrap up? What would you what would you advise any up and coming producer now? You know, just to um, you know, do your do your homework. You know, like we becoming producers for us, we had to know producers. We had to know the producers before us, mm-hmm. and we had to um, you know, we had to study. You know, and you know. And I, and I will still say that it's still worth, you know, look into the producers before you and, you know, grab some of the elements of magic that was created for you, you know? Um, you know, try to be original, but pull some of the magic from, you know, the ones before you, like we did, you know? Mm-hmm. And, that, and that, that's how you keep, you know, uh, a generation of sound going, of, 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 um, where music will always be familiar. Like, that's why, you know, they say that, that you know, music repeats itself. Mm. You, know, you know, like we grabbed from the people before us, you know, you know, the Quincy Joneses and, you know, like, you know, that sort of deal. And that's how you are able to keep music going forever. Mm. You know, and, um, you know, be, be original, but at the same time, pull, pull from the, you know, pull from us, pull from some of that magic. You know what mm. I'm saying? That's, you know, that's available, okay. you know? Yeah, who, definitely. Who would be your top five producers then? Oh, we. Uh, of any of any era. Yeah, 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 yeah. So not yeah, any era. When you think about well, I, well, I think we go back onto the onto the nineteen seventies. But then, if you think about your the top five, that who would make your top five? Uh, Quincy Jones. Okay. Uh, Michael McDonald. Wow. Did you meet him? Once. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, DJ Quick. Yeah. Uh, uh, Babyface. Oh, okay. With LA, when he did the LA stuff or by himself? So there's the, there's the, is it because, yes. I think, I I, I think a Babyface by himself 
Wow, no, that's kind of hard because <laughs> that eighties alien baby face. Yeah, <laughs> had, you know the deal and the deal and, and the, the yeah the yeah. whole boy, um, yeah yeah the, TLC yeah. Tony Braxton Usher. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bobby Brown, Karen White. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but de definitely Babyface and uh, 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 Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Okay. Yeah. So those those are my top five. Okay. Yeah. There was no there was no space for for my favorite Teddy Riley. Ah. <laughs> Dang. Oh, actually, no, I, I only mentioned four. Yeah, I, I got to give it to Teddy. <laughs> got to give it to Teddy. That's that, that's that's my number five. Exactly. <laughs> Mr. He, Jack Swain. Did he not work with Quick and you did? I thought he did it for Tim Quick and somebody, a Snoop or somebody, a production yeah. thing? Yeah. Yeah, Quick Quick actually worked with Teddy. I've never worked with Teddy personally, but Quick did. Um, they did something together a while back. Okay. And um, yeah, I forgot exactly what it was, but yeah, Quick has worked with Teddy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, no, that's, yeah. That's, that's my number five, though. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh man, Jiwon, thanks very much. I think what I would need from you would be a, a couple of pictures, because when I put this out, it, it you know um, it'd be good to have sort of a, a picture to as, as I um, to use as uh, to, to promote the interview and stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll send that over to you. Yeah, I definitely appreciate it. But it's been it's been great. It's well, it is just after midnight over here. But uh, <laughs> oh wow, we've been yeah. on for what two hours? <laughs> we'll be as I said when you asked me how long it goes, I said you know it, it it's um I I I never know, <laughs> you know yeah yeah I I I, I never know because it's 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 you know when you you you're reminiscing about stuff. Um, it, you know, it, it's 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 always very fascinating and stuff. So you've, as I said, I didn't even, as I said, I I, I thought I didn't realize where it was going to go, and I never do. But I always appreciate the the time and I appreciate the stories and 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 things. Um, what I did is I I I streamed it live on on one of my channels, but um I um but I'm gonna edit it and put it out um in in different segments on, on my main halftime chat channel so the um yeah so it could have very very informative so that's when i would need that's why i needed some of the pictures so i can when i put it out there uh, people can get to see and stuff man i got you no problem though at all yeah. i'm gonna send that over to you um how many pictures do you need um based on the length of our stuff probably seven well i mean it all depends if you had stuff with yourself or with with with, with any of the people you've mentioned today because what i'll do is i'll break it up into your time when you were death road your time working with Raphael, time working you know so it's it's like i i break it up in those little segments and stuff so some of the pictures that can reflect that it's always helpful and stuff but you know okay. whatever you have yeah Okay, yeah. Let me let me try to put that together for you. Um, what's the timeline on it? Like, when do you buy? No, I think by. I, I mean, I probably we won't. I'll probably do this by next week. So, but yeah. So, but it will probably come out in 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 a week and a half's time. So okay. yeah, yeah. Anytime over the next couple of days, it'll be great and stuff. I got you. Yeah, I, got you. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, please don't forget to to try and tap up DJ quick so we can help talk, yeah, get him on and, and stuff, because we haven't heard <laughs> from him recently. So that would be, yeah. be excellent. I'll put that together for you, Nambi. And, and I'm, you know, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it.
Hey guys, thanks for watching. Thanks for being part of the Halftime Chat community. Please remember to like, share and subscribe. Um, but most importantly, why don't you consider being a member as a way of supporting the channel, but also getting a lot of videos ahead of time, a lot of behind the scenes stuff and some exclusive content that doesn't get shared. But anyway, thanks for watching and thanks for being part of Halftime Chat. Sweet.